Hello, hello, hello! You're listening to Big Easy Ideas, a podcast that features live recordings from New Orleans Entrepreneur Week and builds connections at the intersection of innovation and culture. New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, or NOE as the locals like to call it, is an annual event across the city of New Orleans every March and is a celebration of startups, innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's next. Learn more and check out ways to get involved at neworleansentrepreneurweek.org or noew.org. And now, on to today's episode. The Idea Village, in partnership with Halliburton Labs, brought to NOE 2022 a series of discussions to advance the thinking of climate, energy, and how the Third Coast is poised to deliver the future of energy faster. Hey there, I'm Scott Gale, Executive Director of External Engagement at Halliburton Labs, and this is Season 3 of Big Easy Ideas, where we're focusing on climate tech. In this episode, we listen in on the discussion on electrification of mobility and a deeper dive into EV adoption. Amy Flower with Entergy, NOE 2022 title sponsor, along with Matt Candler from Night Shift Bikes and Aaron Spring from Goodyear Ventures, bring a frontline perspective on where we are on the infrastructure build-out for electrified mobility and what technologies are paving the way for further growth. The conversation is, well, electric. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Amy Flower. I work at Keystring Labs with Entergy. At Keystring Labs, we focus on the needs of the customer today. It's no longer about just providing power to light people. It's about solving problems that our customers have around resiliency, around reliability, and ultimately also sustainability, which is kind of the theme of what we're here to talk about today. You're here to talk about driving ahead, considerations around EV adoption. With me is Aaron Young from Goodyear and Matt Candler from My Next Electric. Is that right, Matt? I'm going to pass it off to Aaron to introduce herself. Hi, I'm really honored to be here my first time in New Orleans. I lead ventures at Goodyear based out of our headquarters in Ohio, and most people know us for our tires, and then the second thing is our blimps. But a lot of times people, what they don't think about is really what our purpose is. And our purpose is to simply enable mobility. And so my team is really focused on how do we enable the next generation of mobility? One that is safer, certainly, one that's more sustainable, and hopefully we can all appreciate one that has less congestion. So that's what we're working towards. We do that through some investing, partnering with who are gonna be our customers of the future, understanding those problems to be solved, and either that's with our tires or even looking at other solutions, what we call beyond tires. So excited to join the others here today and share a bit more about that. My name is Matt Candler. It's great to be here. I'm involved with three projects right now related to this topic. The first is that I've been building electric motorcycles in my shed for the last 15 years, mostly as a, 
elaborate ruse to convince my wife that I need some elaborate and very unnecessary tool. That's a, a hobby of mine, and I'm really passionate about it. The second thing I do is I invest in climate tech. I'm an investor in what's now the largest used electric car battery power plant in the country outside of Los Angeles. And then the third thing I'm doing is starting a company called My Next Electric, which blends these two things, my curiosity about electric vehicles and what I've done most of my career, which is education. So My Next Electric is an opportunity for anyone. You can log on right now and sign up for one of our crash courses next week. And it's a three-day experience that helps you understand how to electrify the stuff in your life, either your home or most pertinent these days with $5 gas, your vehicles. And it's a really fun opportunity for me to just engage in this really hard conversation we all are having about our personal infrastructure and what it will be like to electrify it. So it's really cool to be able to talk about that with you today. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. So when I think about EVs and the EV adoption, I think one of the big elephants in the room is this kind of chicken or the egg situation that we have where people don't want to drive or buy EVs yet because they don't see charging infrastructure out there, so they don't think they can live their normal daily lives. Um, but third parties and investors aren't investing in charging infrastructure because adoption isn't high enough to create a good business case for them. So we're kind of in this stagnant place which gives us the opportunity as a utility and government entities to come in and fill that gap. Um, so at Intergy, that's what we're trying to do. We're working with our state DOTs on the infrastructure bill that's coming in and figuring out how we're going to deploy electric vehicle charging infrastructure so that we can hopefully get an uptick of adoption in our regions, which is lagging the rest of the country, as you guys probably know. Specifically, one really cool thing that we've been doing in New Orleans is partnering with the city of New Orleans and coming up with EV solutions for New Orleans drivers. So. Hopefully, starting next month, if all continues to go well, you'll start seeing EV chargers around the city co-branded with the city of New Orleans and Intergy, just trying to bring more charging to our communities. This was a partnership. We sent out a survey to residents. You guys might have actually answered that survey. We actually had people go on a map and put dots where they wanted chargers around the city. We took that data. We're putting chargers at the places that were most popular. But we also took a step back and said, you know, we need to think about equitable access, especially here in New Orleans. How do we make sure all communities and neighborhoods and districts have access to these chargers? So we spanned them out through the city. You'll start to see them. The first one will be at Press Drive um, next month. And then we're going to have 30 that will shortly be following after that. Hopefully have them all finished up in the summer. So hopefully that starts to bring peace of mind. We have some ideas about things that we're going to do after that. We obviously learn a lot through this pilot and then continue to grow. The other part of it is that actually 80% of charging happens in the home. And people aren't really thinking about that. They're used to having to gas up at gas stations. So when you think about that residential experience, and Matt works with a bunch of EV drivers, I'm going to kind of toss it to Matt. What are you finding is kind of the hiccups and hangups there and the, what's incentivizing people to switch over? Well, real quick, we put some stats on my Twitter feed. So it's just my first initial last name, M. Candler. So there's some EV stats that I'm going to refer to here in a second if you want to pull those up. I think the story I want to tell is related to Ida. Two days before Ida, I got battery storage hooked up and working on my home. I have a large solar array on the home and charge electric vehicles. But if you were here after Ida and you had solar, it was great, but it went down unless you had batteries. A lot of us who have batteries in town, they broke as well. 
But that experience, this storm for me was the first time in living here for almost 16 years now of seeing the narrative switch from batteries and solar being the thing that was reliable, not natural gas or petroleum products being reliable. Like solar and batteries were the thing that worked. And my house and a lot of other folks who had solar and storage became like little community cooling centers. I had neighbors who were on oxygen tanks staying in my house because that was the only place we had power. And it was just dumb luck that we got it up again. And the reason why it connects to EVs is I paid about $1,000 a kilowatt hour for that battery. If you get a Ford F-150 electric, that one of those first ones that shows up, that'll be $40,000. And you'll get five times as much battery as I had to pay for to put on my, my house. So the efficiencies of the EV manufacturing supply chain mean that the batteries in that F-150 are five times cheaper than the ones that sit on my house and I only use them three days a year. And they get a truck out of the deal. And so I think, you know, for me, the story that I'm living, that we're all starting to live is this very simple shift that our vehicles are rolling batteries. And as we each start to encounter that, those of us who live in a town like this, resiliency and emergencies, having a rolling battery parked somewhere in your property is a really, really powerful thing. And I'm starting to experience that now, which East Storm we live through. So valuable. It's true. Erin, I want to bring you in the conversation. Goodyear, what does tires have well, to do with this? I think one of the things that as we look at how transportation is changing, electric vehicles are actually often quite heavier than their ICE um, counterpart, which wears through tires a lot quicker. And there's also, it could be fun to drive, but practical thing, this instantaneous torque that also wears quite a bit on tires. And so you know, we are working very hard to make sure that tires can last as long as they did for their ICE uh, counterparts, first and foremost. And then secondly, that they can be as efficient as possible. So you can optimize that range. And then we'll throw in a third piece because this is very important to us. As you look at where a lot of our materials come from that go into our products, they do come from the oil industry. And we're looking at you know, how do we find more sources for those materials and more sustainable sources. So we've kind of set a goal as a company is how do we get to 100% sustainable material tire. We're about 70% there today, but we also recognize we can't do it alone. So that's why we're always looking outside to say, who has those next great ideas? How can we help work together and solve some of these problems? My final thing, my public service announcement that people don't always recognize that probably the number one action you can do today to be more efficient with your fuel consumption or battery consumption is to inflate your tires. Most people are driving around on tires that are 10% underinflated, which equates to we waste about 4 million gallons of gas a day due to that underinflation. So that's my, my little public service announcement. It's not fun to inflate your tires, but it is important. Wow. So we have a short session. I'm sure there are some questions in the crowd. Before we throw it out for open questions, I want to ask you guys, when you think about entrepreneurs in this space, what do you think are the good opportunities? This is, it's infinite, especially when we think about personal infrastructure. I think if we have to electrify the entire demand side of the equation, Saul Griffith writes a really great post here. He counts a billion machines here in the U.S. from extraction 
to heat pumps and cars, things that we use in our daily lives. We have to electrify that billion machine fleet. Take your pick anywhere on that supply chain, anywhere in there, we've got a lot of work to do from new business models on how we think about and how we pay for energy. Roughly, we're gonna have to start using about three times as much electricity when we electrify everything as we replace fossil fuels. It really is infinite. And I think it's not hype to say that this is an opportunity to drag entrepreneurs into every piece of what is the economy. Like every story is a climate change story. Every story is an energy transition story. One thing that we always reflect on is over 120 years ago, Goodyear was a startup. Goodyear was founded by entrepreneurs. And the interesting thing about it is we were making carriage wheels, bike tires, and we thought, hey, there's these horseless carriages. There's these automobiles. You know, how do we be a part of that industry? And so Goodyear, we like to say, was born out of this first inflection point. And now we're going into this second inflection point. I like how you say the opportunities are endless because we didn't know 120 years ago what new industries were going to be required to get to the mobility that we know today. And now we're at that point again where we have to recreate mobility to make it more sustainable and work for more people, be more integrated in people's lives. And so I think it's really understand what are those problems to be solved and how to solve them efficiently. With that, the opportunities are endless. And I think more and more companies like ourselves and Halliburton as well is saying, hey, how do we work together? This is a huge undertaking and we got to create the next better ecosystem. We have a few minutes left in the session. I want to give the crowd a chance to go ahead. Thank you so much for visiting and sharing. So I've been thinking a little bit about, you know, how we onboard. Like you had Goodyear trying to be a few steps ahead. And so I know how impatient we are and understand that it's a phased process, which is great with the location of the stations in addition at home. But ultimately, I'm thinking, and I just want to get your thoughts, we're going to have to have a battery, hopefully a small size one, in someone's car because I'm not sure how long it takes at the charging station to charge and we're just, you know, going to be impatient about it. And have you seen anybody thinking in that way or any innovations that are on the horizon that I might follow that company? One comment I'll make is there are people looking at battery swapping as an option. There are some startups in the space. One um, company that I track from afar that is operating in China is NEO, and they actually um, have battery swapping stations where you put your car in and it automatically swaps the battery and then you're kind of ready to go. So it, that's another option you can imagine. You know, there's different types of barriers and people that need to be working together. You, know, you have to design the vehicle so that you can do that easily. So that's something that we're tracking. And there are a couple of companies who are investing in, hey, how might we do that in the U.S. and other places? Have you heard of a company called Charger Help out of California? They're doing some really cool stuff. They just started a pilot last week, I believe, their first mobile emergency charging services. And then in the U.K., 
they're a little further ahead of us on demand. So they have a more developed market of folks that are doing emergency mobile charging. So just send me a DM or an email and I can get you in touch with some folks on that. And here's a silly little experiment I'm doing in my car. I have an EV and I have a stand-up scooter that I charge 24-7 in my trunk. And so whenever I get to my car, I'm sort of just playing with this idea of like, of course I'm going to take the car, but I'm, I'm pushing myself to like reduce that friction so that when I get to the car, I can do that math and say, all right, this is a two minute trip. I'll just jump on the scooter and go. And it's always charged there. So I think our whole conversation that we have with ourselves and our infrastructure, we're going to have to get a lot more flexible. This is a huge stress point in how much energy do I really need? You know, a lot of the behavior research says that range anxiety, this thing that we talk about isn't actually as big a deal. It just manifests in different moments, usually around crises, not around what we do every day. Great question, thank you. Go ahead. I think there's been a lot of great discussion about the innovation side of it, the entrepreneur side of it. There's a lot of great things happening, span panels, running the gamut. I want to shift a little bit and ask about the policy next steps. You know, there was a conversation in the New Orleans City Council. Obviously, there's a lot of nonprofit interest around, you know, community resilience, get lit, stay lit, community lighthouse, those types of things. And then, you know, obviously energy is leaning into it. But now we've got 47 billion of climate resilience coming in. Where does the policy conversation need to go on EV, on solar as a resilience and electrification as a resilience component? What, what are your thoughts on the policy overlay here? One thing that immediately comes to mind for me around the policy is we have policies in place right now in Louisiana and some of the other states that don't allow sale for resale of electricity, which is a big one. So third parties don't really want to come into our area because they can't sell kilowatt hours to us. They can only sell by the minute, which is really undesirable to drivers. So that's certainly something that we're pushing on as well as a host of other individuals with our commissions trying to change that. I don't know what do you guys think. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to be honest about our state public utilities commissioner who's not real pro EV or pro solar was phased out. So we've got a blue dot red state problem that we need to confront. You mentioned Community Lighthouse. This is a project that I've been involved with. And I think this is an interesting place for policy work for a couple of reasons. Community Lighthouse is an attempt to electrify with solar and storage 85 communities of faith around New Orleans. We've got three pilots we're going to launch first. And this is an opportunity to let those churches and synagogues and mosques be the places where people go after a storm, knowing that there is solar and storage at that facility. And it's, for me, I think this is the policy work we can do. It's super cheap. And then it gives us a chance to say when people are in that moment and they're together in the same room, they start to see the benefits and the value stack of electric infrastructure. It's not just can I get charged to get to work? It is, holy cow, there's a whole nother level of value for us that we understand and price differently than other folks who don't have to evacuate all the time. Like that whole value stack of how valuable it is to switch to electric is really potent in that moment. So for me, that's where I would, I think, really zooming in in the very, very short term on policy work that emphasizes communal spaces that we all can use. Not to mention the fact that that saves those churches, synagogues, and mosques a crap ton of money on their actual utility bill. Any other questions? In the infrastructure bill, is there money to create charging stations? You talked about how you do it on a map and you make it community oriented. The other way to do it is the way gas stations and everything else came up, which is entrepreneurs, startups, and especially in this city, young African-American businesses 50, 60 years ago, creating convenience stores, but with gas and people do 
sort of innovative ways to say, I'm going to have gas, I'm going to put it in a place with a food store or whatever it may be. What is your feeling about whether or not things like charging stations are best done by the private sector, entrepreneurial, perhaps with subsidies so people can do it, or is it best done for government to build electric charging stations? I think the private industry is the best place to go with this. Lots of good ideas and things can come through that. You find if it's only driven by government, it'll be really regimented and not allow kind of room to breathe and wings to grow. Government money has to come into it and kind of drive it. So we see this infrastructure money coming to, into the state of Louisiana, for instance, and they're looking at those gas stations going, we don't want these to go out of business either. You know, we want to help them transition into this EV space. So part of that will be kind of taking a look at our landscape today and saying, how do we up these companies that stand to lose if everybody switches over to EV and keep people in business. That's my two cents. What have you got? I think I would agree. Maybe I'm just a complete optimist in that we're a country of entrepreneurs. Even at big businesses, we're also continually trying to be entrepreneurs. And you know, one, one thing that we're constantly looking at is we already have a pretty large footprint stores, retail locations. We're supporting commercial truck, passenger vehicles. We need to be changing and enabling the next set of mobility, and why not have charging infrastructure where we're already servicing vehicles, where we're already part of an ecosystem. Oftentimes, we're already at a shopping mall, for example. So I think there is an opportunity, and you're seeing this not only from big businesses, but from entrepreneurs. You know, what's that value that we, we can create together? Yeah. Great questions, guys. That is all the time that we have, unfortunately, but we will be over here if anybody wants to come and talk more about this. We're passionate and love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Big Easy Ideas. Big Easy Ideas is produced by The Idea Village a nonprofit accelerator that supports startups and cultivates entrepreneurial talent in New Orleans and the greater Gulf South region. By visiting ideavillage.org, you can learn more about how to turn your idea into a thriving business and how to turn your business into a high growth startup. You can also learn more about opportunities to invest in startups, ways to mentor, partner, and support local industry leading companies. You might also find a job in our region's thriving tech and startup community. The idea is, it takes a village. So visit ideavillage.org to explore how to get involved in the Gulf South's rapidly growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. The music for Big Easy Ideas is by the Young Fellas Brass Band from their new album, Block Party, which is available now on all streaming platforms. You can find the Young Fellas Brass Band on the streets of New Orleans and at their website, youngfellasbrassband.com. That's fellas with a Z, young F-E-L-L-A-Z brassband.com. And of course, we want to give a special thank you to all of the sponsors of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, in addition to the year-round donors and supporters of the Idea Village, who make this work possible and keep this content accessible to all. And finally, thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you down in the Big Easy. Until next time.